Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the diva von Main. Uh, most definitely the diva right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a long time since we got together. Life got really busy for a while. Uh, but no doubt one of my favorite parts of the week is getting together with this show, giving my thoughts, hearing other people's thoughts on what's going on in the Frankfurt world. Um, so when you don't hear from us, get in touch with the show, send us your predictions. They can earn you merch now. That's cool. Send us a prediction, get a spot on. We're going to send you some free stuff. Uh, send your feedback about each episode or about how you like the show, maybe how you hate the show. And who knows? I might give you a spot on an upcoming episode. If you ask nicely, you got a 24 <laughs> seven discord chat. You can find the link for that on our website, www.hefpod.com. Check out our Instagram. Matt does great work with that at Hey on Truck Frankfurt and Twitter at HEF Pod. Didn't miss any Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash HEF Pod. So last week, last week, we had a great gathering in New York City. Uh, the 3 0 result to Bolcom. We're not going to talk about that because it's old news. Nobody wants to discuss it anyway. But it was real fun. I had a good time uh, with the EFC New, New York crowd. Um, big Tom in the big city, uh, great time. Ed was fantastic. Mark, the whole gang, EFC Rocky Mountains. Chris was there. Um, and of course, uh, my favorite guy to see when I'm in New York, the step aside Jay-Z, my co-host tonight, uh, he can make a Yankees hat more famous than a Yankee can. Matt, the Yankees are playing Cleveland right now. It's a must win game for the Yanks. How are you feeling? Well, good guys are up right now, 4-2, and if I were recording this game or this uh, podcast, I am at the top of the eighth right now. So if you listeners hear some moaning and groaning and some cheering and stuff like that, be warned because our bullpen is coming up, and that is never a good sign. So we'll see what happens. Are you on? Maybe we'll save this for a hashtag, what are we drinking? But are you on the top of your eighth beer at the moment? Uh, no, <laughs> I, 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 I'm chilling <laughs> Tomorrow from last night. Day, I'm right? chilling from last night. Last <laughs> night was rough. That was a- last night was rough, but yesterday afternoon was great for the Eagles. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. I'm track Frankfurt five Bayer Leverkusen one. And that one was, you know, just kind of a gift. Cause Hey, we're Frankfurt. We don't do clean, clean sheets. sheets. Nope. Uh, Deja vu in this game. Matt- yeah, definitely. Um, I was driving for the first half with one eye on the road, one eye on the match, and I rewatched second half already knowing the result. I was at a youth game. Uh, give me your thoughts in live time. How'd you feel uh, coming out? Things were a little up and down, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, we were definitely dominant in the first half. It seemed, I mean, there were points where Leverkusen was definitely a little bit more dangerous. Um, in like the 15 to 20 minute span, but you know, the rest of the 30 minutes of the half, you know, we pretty much dominated, you know, you know, Randall Colomani was very, very strong. Um, it was just, you know, we just weren't making the right things in the final third. Whereas in the second half, you know, it was a complete switch. 
Um, but I mean, we were, we were strong. I mean, Kevin Trapp had to make a couple of good saves. Um, it was, it was definitely a good bounce back game after, uh, playing Tottenham over the weekend or over the, uh, the week. So, um, and I'll definitely a bounce back against fucking Bochum. So yeah, you know, Leverkusen's obviously struggling right now, sitting in 16th place, you know, and you know, it was nice for us to get another 5-1 victory against them. Like I said earlier, deja vu in this instance. And thank God that Kolomani has scored a goal, you know, cause like, I know he's a top of the boards of like assists and whatnot but it's nice to see him score you could tell that once he scored that header was an absolute uh like how much it absolutely meant to him and whatnot and dude that cross from Lentz was very Kostic like so that was that was pretty schmexy to see um but the biggest story here is Kamada I mean six goals in 10 games in the Bundesliga tally a few more in the Champions League nothing we can't ask more for this guy you know I mean kind of sucks because he is kind of playing for a contract from another team <laughs> but i don't want to get into that but yeah i mean let's keep getting on the board too i think you know lucas alario why the hell not um i wish bore maybe would have gotten um on the board but you know that's uh that's another discussion uh, to be had but yeah you know i was very worried about our defense because obviously we're banged up back there and it just ended up not being the case you know like you said earlier that one that they that we gave them was just because you know we don't do clean sheets yeah, a couple moments in the first half before uh, the penalty late, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, it, it, there was never a point, even though there was some back and forth early, the game was a little more open than we're accustomed to early in the match. Um, Kevin Trapp made a nice stop early, but there was never a point where we were back on our heels. I think we had a speed advantage. We had a creativity advantage. We passed the ball, depending on which statistical service you look at we pass the ball over 85 percent yeah um for this group that can't put three passes together that is outstanding outstanding work by them um from the back line on up i thought we did a better job on clearance uh clearance has been an issue for us in matches this year i thought we did a great job um the the services are telling me it was a back three. We really played like a back four most of the day uh, with Lentz falling back a little more. Um, but Tuta, what was your thought on the back line? Tuta wasn't great against Tottenham. And Dika's had his ups and downs this year. What was your thought on the defense? I mean, I, like I said, I thought, you know, we were banged up and I was kind of worried about it. So just, you know, conceding one stupid-ass goal was honestly a victory um, on our front end. Um, but... You know, Yaku seems to be more comfortable on the right side of things. I thought uh, Dida and Bipe was very good helping out on the back line, you know, with Lentz coming back there as well, kind of acting like a back five. So, I mean, um, Tuta definitely, you know, Tuta is just such a – he's so – inconsistently consistent it's it's kind of funny but like he has so many more great moments and he has such few bad moments but some of his bad moments are really bad fucking moments and you know that he's still kind of it's growing pains with him you know he's just still growing out of it and that's going to come you know that's definitely going to come hopefully after the world cup um i'm just shocked with adika right now i don't know he's like his playing form is just not like it was last year, you know, um, maybe it's just having a down year or, you know, something else going on in the personal life. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, I'm a little worrisome with Indica. And, you know, we don't really have too much great depth that we've tried yet. You know, I mean, Smolchich was able to play in the Tottenham game a little bit. So 
I want to see him be a little bit more active in our back line or more in the rotation, especially if we have these woes slash, you know, injuries with, you know, Pellegrini. God knows what happens with Lentz. You know, he could fall over and slip down the stairs and he'd be out for the rest of the season. And then, you know, then we have to rely on Jakic, Tuta, um, or so, yeah, Jakic, Tuta, and Dika, and then maybe Marcel Vanek. Who knows? You know, the youngster. Um, but I mean, as of right now, it was fine. I mean, I was very shocked that we only conceded one goal with the, you know, injury, injury, injuries that we have. Yeah. I don't know if I attribute that much to our defensive play, like you mentioned, or was somehow we're not allowing a ton of goals in league play, uh, but we're not exactly looking great on the defensive end either. Part of that's because Kevin Trapp loves to save our ass. Easily. But, you know, I thought, I thought Tuta, I liked him better when he had a little bit more of that baby fat and he seemed a little stronger. He seemed a little more aggressive in his challenges. Right now, you know, he's clearly shed some weight. I think he's trying to use speed a little more. And it just. He's risking a little too much. He's thinking too much about it. Yep. He's trying to pull that offsides trap a little more often. And I liked it better when he said, yeah, well, I'll play you. We'll be on side here, but I'm going to come at you and I'm going to come at you hard. And he was aggressive in those challenges and pretty successful. Uh, As far as Indica, you're right. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, he's still young. I'm not writing him off. I think he's been critical to our success. He's going to be critical going forward. But, man, if we could get the head straight on those two guys, uh, we'd be an unstoppable force. Because what's going on in the midfield right now is just incredible. Uh, It's funny. We're we're in the car driving out to this youth game. And we don't have to talk about the first penalty. I thought it was a poor take. Uh, It was Read the entire way. You know, RKM has done great stuff. You miss PK. I'm glad Kamada took it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But Daichi Kamada stepping up. Uh, my wife looks at me in the car. She goes, are you still uh, avoiding that island? <laughs> there is no more fucking island anymore. Um, man, that, he's he's probably been our most consistent player all year. For a guy like that, I mean, besides RKM, uh, the offensive input – from Daichi Kamada and his presence defensively in the middle has been the biggest surprise for me. I mean, I'm starting to see why some English clubs were willing to play, pay that premier league premium for him. Um, well, he's grown up in front of our eyes and he's a threat every match. Now he doesn't have the speed of an RKM, um, but his creativity and yeah, I love having him next to Jabril So there, too. A guy who's not offensive-minded but is stable and consistent. And those two guys next to each other are just very reliable there. Um, it's us inter- the second it, half. It, wait, just to add on the Kamada thing, it's interesting yeah. how we fi- how uh, Gloucester finally puts Kamada in that sixth spot alongside So. And this is the third time he's done it all season long. This is the third time it's been super successful. So I'm just still sitting here waiting until it's a permanent thing. Yeah, I mean, it, I, there comes a point where OG's feeling out what he has here with this group, but our best success has been generally a three at the back and Commodore and so in the middle. Uh, for me, that combination just clicks. I know the back four, based on who we're up against or you know sliding into a five like we did a little bit 
might be necessary, but let's not try to overthink every situation. We've got some talent in the midfield. Let's lean on that experience and that quality. Like Daichi Kamada, for only being, what, 24, 25 years old, he's been around a while. He's played in every competition in Germany now and been successful in all of them. And we need to lean more on him, I think, uh, especially because it's not not the case here um, today or yesterday, but we've had issues in getting production out of guys like Jesper Lindstrom or Mario Goza. Um Jesper but, Lindstrom has a Kamada bug from last year now a little bit where it's like, you know, but he now, I mean, he had a great game too today. I'm not shitting on his game today, but I feel like Lindstrom has a Kamada a bug that Kamada had last year where Kamada kind of fixed his like final touches, his finishing, everything else this year where he's, you yeah. know, our, arguably our best player right now, you know, besides, uh, you know, him, yeah. him and RKM are definitely uh, our top two. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a photo finish at this point who would be the best player, which is a great problem to have. Not saying that we should have a debate about it because they both work, uh, work well together. So, I mean, it's our offense is great. It's it's consistent. It's 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 awesome how great our offense has been in year in and year out from you know the uh, Sebastian Haller, Anzerevich, you know days and stuff like that. You know Kachinovich. Now you know consistently we have a nice front three. You know for for as much as we carried that play in the first half, as we went to the second half, and Leverkusen gets that tying goal um, early, about ten minutes into the second half. Kind of felt, didn't feel major concern because I was actually watching a replay at that point. I knew the result, but it we didn't do that settle in, oh shit, let's take 10 minutes to readjust mentally. We went right on the attack. I mean, right on the attack. Within two minutes, we had our, our go-ahead goal again. And I think this is one of those turning point matches where as bad as Leverkusen has been, the fact that we struggled, which we tend to do with bad teams or teams in bad form, yet we corrected it and said, hey, we're the ones fighting for the top of the table here. We're the ones that are playing in you know other competitions and, and scoring goals at an unprecedented pace, at least for us. I really thought the goal by, by Kolo Muani and then followed up by Jesper Lindstrom a few minutes later, that was a critical point for us to take control of not just the match, but that mental control of where we've been on this fucking roller coaster all year of ups and downs and ups and downs. And finally to see someone take control of the damn car and say, I'm not going to let it go off the road this time. It was kind of refreshing. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be on this roller coaster for the rest of our lives. You know, it's a, it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime ticket and a lifetime ride that just never fucking ends. Um, so I mean, hey, this is this is definitely a great bounce back game after uh, you know Tottenham and you know the way we played against Tottenham, you know the way, towards the end, you know it was a definitely great response and stuff like that. It's going to be an interesting way how we continue the Champions League, and you know now we're sitting here pretty in fifth place after uh, Sunday's matches in the Bundesliga, and I mean. The Bundesliga, this crazy Bundesliga season continues. You know we're uh, six place away from first. We're two points away from second and we are maybe what (laughs) four points away from 12th so this it's a fucking crazy season 
we're going to get more into the table in a minute because there's a whole lot going on. Um, I want to talk about the garbage time goal for a minute. Uh, after we went up 4-1, the substitutions came rolling in. Alidu, Bore, Rhoda, um, Alario, Venegal came in. But specifically the Alario goal, um, the, the nice pass in the middle. And Bore had every right to shoot that ball. And the guy's been on just the coldest start you could imagine for a European hero last year. His presence of mind to make the pass to an open Alario for the slam dunk. Um, the, Bore's body language isn't always the best. And I think sometimes guys like me read into it too much about his frustration, how upset he is. But that selflessness in that moment for me said a lot about his presence on this team and doing the right thing even when you know he just wanted to blast that as hard as he could, as far as hard as he could into the upper corner. Um, did that mean anything to you, or was it just another garbage time goal? Um, it probably did. I mean, it's nothing like a good confidence booster, and he probably felt good about it as bad as he wanted a goal, you know. But, you know, the other number nine right now in Kolomani is doing well with the assists, so I think he's trying to follow that footpath as well where, you know, he doesn't have to keep being that selfish mind. And, you know, he can he probably wants to show Glasner that, hey, like, I can also be a provider at the same time, you know, just give him the opportunity to. But, I mean, it's the fifth goal. It's a garbage time goal. I'm glad Alario got it just for another confidence booster as well. I mean, listen, I don't – it's – it sucks to be in Boris shoes right now, you know. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, we're gonna see what happens. He's probably gonna get a lot more more um, games, you know, these next couple of days. As you know, we play again on Tuesday, then we play again on Saturday, and we play in the Champions League again following Tuesday, then again the Saturday against Dortmund. So he's gonna get more time and more minutes yeah. and stuff like that. You know, he just has to find a way to be a little bit more effective in those times. And you know, he misses having those big goals. You know, and I mean. You know, he, he was – it's tough to be, you know, a guy after in your first season, like having great success, bringing a trophy, and then, you know, not being able to produce as much and given the opportunity to produce as much later on. So, I mean, yeah, I think it was a decently big deal for sure. The book is not closed on Boré's time with Frankfurt. Uh, uh, he's going to have plenty of opportunity left, and there's so many matches left even just before the World Cup break where we're, we're going to need his contributions. As so Cole uh, for keeps me, that doing well. We, he's he sold. He's gone, which is just the sad yep. truth. <laughs> yep. yep. And that's the thing about the, the type of club we are. Uh, there's nobody who's a lifetime contract. There's nobody that, that includes guys like Kevin Trapp. Um, there's no such thing as a Frankfurt lifetime contract. Uh, there's no such thing as I want to stay here. No, if you're, if you're valuable enough where we can replace you and the numbers add up, you're going to be gone. And Kola uh, is on track to make some big money and make us some big money that could bring in the next RKM. So not that I'm trying to get rid of him. Um, I hope we keep him around for a while, but it's just the reality. It's our system. On the business side. Yep. Um, Matt, you teased it. The table right now is looking really nice. For a minute, we were sitting up at four uh, before – the evil Bavarians did their thing today. Interesting around the league, uh, the shocker of the week. Not not shocking that Bayern beat Freiburg, but the fact they did it 5-0. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, Freiburg had played so well to this point in the season. Damn. <laughs> they yeah, just got Freiburg smacked. also was playing a little relaxed because, you know, they just got their, what, fourth 
a straight win in their Europa Conference League or Europa League or whatever the league they're freaking in. So, I mean, they're probably resting some players. And, I mean, it's tough to go win in Bayern. So, sure. Yeah. I would sure, definitely you, shock you know her. that your your chances are low going into it. You know, you you minimize a, a loss like that, even though it looks bad on the scoreboard. It's not uh, the worst result out there. Listen, you lose two nil or five nil to Bayern, it's still a loss to Bayern. It, you know, it just kind of looks bad on the sheet. Yeah, I thought um, the Berlin game was a shocker, honestly, against Dortmund, and especially the way the first goal happened with freaking Dortmund's keeper slipping, which giving yeah Berlin that one. Yeah, we'll blame a bad pitch. I think we know a thing or two about those. Um, you know, the the Dortmund situation, I had it all lined up if Bayern had dropped points, but uh, Dortmund sitting at eight right now. Bayern not happy, four points back of second. It's kind of refreshing being up to week 10 now in the season, 10 matches complete, and those two are not sitting one and two pulling away from the pack. It's you know, guys we like, the Union Berlins, Freiburg, and us sitting there in the top five um, in a tight table. Uh, you know, Union Berlin is pulling away at this point. Uh, four points ahead of second place Bayern and, what, five points ahead of third place Freiburg. Isn't it just nice to see games of consequence played in cities other than Munich and Dortmund? Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, it just kind of starts to show how the Bundesliga is becoming a lot more competitive of a league. I mean, granted, we're only a third way through, but, I mean, this is this is awesome. Even Leipzig sitting down there and, like, you know, previous winners like Wolfsburg and Schalke, like, all these big club names are just not up yeah. to par. Bayer Leverkusen, you know, Stuttgart. I mean, I don't know if Stuttgart's considered a good team, but it's – it's it's I, great. It's great. And it's kind of nostalgic seeing Hoffenheim back up there again when they had uh oh, for sure. Ralph Rad, Ragnick as coach. That was my next point. Um I think we've seen how modern scouting is somewhat leveling the playing fields. Instead of the big players buying the biggest players out there, um you've got clubs with limited resources, but a good program in place. I mean, nobody does more with less than Freiburg. I don't think anyone would argue that. And then you see Hoffenheim, Union Berlin, Eintracht Frankfurt up in the top five right now. And those are names that could stay there the rest of the year, or if not in that order, um, definitely in European positions. Uh, It's not going to be easy for Dortmund or Leipzig. You know, they're sitting down at 10 right now. Nobody's even talking about them because they've done not a lot of consequence in recent weeks. So but here's it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. They're still two points away from fourth place and three points away from third. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is nuts how tight that is right now. Yeah. Uh, but there's parity in the league, and that's the important part. Until you get down to the bottom of the table, uh, Bochum at 18th with four points, Schalke six points, Leverkusen eight Hertha Stuttgart the same. Um, any anyone there that you think can save themselves? I think Leverkusen based on the talent, but I'm really curious to see if there's fire sales from anybody trying to unload or or maybe even uh, people being buyers just to save themselves. I don't know. I don't think Hertha wants to go down. I, They'll buy before they go down. I but here's a problem. I think Schalke and Leverkusen have the money, so I think they're going to be the ones True. getting out of it. I think both Stuttgart and Hertha are going to go down. If anything, Stuttgart playing in that playoff spot. 
Um, I can see also Augsburg going down. I mean, they probably they got demor not demoralized. That's a demoralizing victory loss. But I mean, to be two one up for so long um, against uh, Cullen, you know, and to lose three two, it's that's that's tough. That's a tough tough loss. So I don't know how bad that's. And gonna we're be. all hoping mines. We're all hoping mines falls apart too. Exactly, but they they they're like pests. They'll stick around ever forever. They'll never like they'll never <laughs> relegate. They're like us. Um, it's true, but yeah, I, I think I think Schalke and Leverkusen are probably getting out of it, and Stuttgart and Hertha will sit down there. I mean, no hope for Bochum. They are as good as they looked against us. I mean, they played the no, they're going Diva. to fruit last year. They, <laughs> they have no chance. No, no chance at all. Um, so fantastic, uh, great, great weekend feeling for the men. Uh, the women almost replicated the score. Pretty impressive opportunity there. Eintracht Frauen uh, playing a lesser squad from start to finish, one through eleven. SKS Essen um, right out of the right out of the gate. It was Frankfurt all the way. Third minute goal. Um, Camilla Koiver, who is usually off the bench for us, usually a 60, 70th minute sub, got the start. But the fact that she's like six inches taller than everybody um, off a set piece, a nice flick in at the third minute. And basically, Frankfurt carried the play the rest of the way. Uh, not a lot coming out of this. 70% possession. Um, yeah, uh, I watched the replay this afternoon. It's kind of hard watching the replay and knowing what's coming up. Um, thanks a lot, ATA for Football, for teasing the score to me and then not having a link. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll get better. We'll get better with the stream so I don't have to go through my – Danish friends to get illegal streams all the time. Uh, but Shakira Martinez in the second half, who, you know, spoiler alert, my favorite player who just is magic every time she touches the ball. Uh, she looked like Daichi Kamada tearing up a defense, doing a little like stutter step and flicking it past the goalie. And then the, the final goal, the nail in the coffin, the fourth one, uh, she played it off her chest on a, a piece from the corner. Um, just deflects it down to the ground through the keeper's legs. Outstanding play, but it's kind of hard to get excited about this because these are the ones you're supposed to win. When you make a prediction like I did where they're going to win the league, um, you know, beating up on a 10th place team in a 12-team table isn't anything to brag about. I think they could do a little better defensively. Uh, the defense was strong, but I think they allowed too many balls to be played into the middle. Uh, maybe a little better clearance on that coming out. But that's nitpicking right now. Honestly, um, the women are doing great. A uh, couple tough matches coming up. Duisburg on the weekend, not too much of a threat there. Hoffenheim and Cologne after that. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Hoffenheim is within distance of us, so is Cologne. But this is kind of a point last year, after four to five matches where – the women started to drop some points, a couple unnecessary ties against lesser teams. So at this point, uh, leading up to the winter pause, there might be an international break before then. I forgot. Um, but I just want to see some consistency. Take three points every week out because that's what's expected to happen. The next match against top competition is not until Wolfsburg on December 4th. So wow, there's time in it. There's a cup match in there, too. Um, but December 4th is the next real contest. Um, 
So, yeah, points to be had on the women's side of things. Um, we're going to have a tough subject here after the break, Matt. So we're going to have a little drink here and uh, take a little break. Matt, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, are the Yankees driving you to drink at the moment, or are you drinking in celebration? Well, we're at the bottom of the ninth right now, and the stress level is definitely up high. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes from then on out. But uh, no, I am drinking some Alewife Brewing uh, Hazy IPA here. Um, nice little local brewery over here in Long Island City and uh, Long Island City, Queens. And no, it's awesome. It's uh, nice and tasteful. It's a good Sunday beer and a good podcast beer. Good stuff. Um, I'm on. I broke one of my rules. After October first, I'm a whiskey and beer guy. Okay. Um, but I found my wife found a seltzer pack that I hadn't tried yet. And I had to go for it. Bud Light has a hard soda seltzer pack, and it is outstanding. It's so sweet, and I mean, I've got three of them here. I've got the classic cola cherry cola and citrus soda and legit these are my new favorite seltzers and it's after october i don't care i'm gonna keep rolling with this pack for a while um they actually i forgot what the fourth flavor was oh orange they have an orange cola flavor too Ooh. they taste exactly like like cola mixed with whatever your alcohol of choice is but it's all in a nice hundred calorie can so it's looking ass yeah for. good things all right we're going to be back after the break for segment two. Uh, stay with. Welcome back. Segment two. Hey, on track Frankfurt, Matt in New York, Chris in Detroit. We're going to veer off topic for a few minutes here. Um, you know, we like talking on track Frankfurt, the men, the women, all the good things they did this weekend. Um, but I saw a topic in the news recently and it came close to my world today. And so I kind of wanted to hit on it. And, uh, I'd love to get feedback on this too from our listeners. Uh, if you hear this segment, hit us up on our socials. Tell us what you think about it. Share your stories, man. I want to talk about responsibility in youth sports culture. Um, I read an article recently in the Detroit news that talked about how officials are leaving youth sports at an alarming rate. And I saw a number in another publication, I don't recall where it was, but the number of youth officials across all sports in the United States is down 30%. This number was before the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the number of officials was down 30%. And I was at a, a youth soccer match today for my daughter's team, and there was a situation where a coach, an, an under-eight match, where a coach lost control of herself and took it out on a 17-year-old official who was there, you know, U.S. certified official, U.S. Soccer Federation certified. They're making some Sunday, Mond Sunday uh, money, calling a good match, and she didn't like a call. And our, 
it, it was a bad call. And she was coaching her team very intensely. I get it. But she took her anger about this call out on this 17-year-old kid so poorly, he walked off the field. Um, our coach made the right call. He abandoned the game, said we are not playing in this hostile environment. Matt, you and I have played sports at a high level, um, at the college level and below. There's an element of intensity from players, from coaches, even officials get in from time to time, the parents on the sideline. Where are we as a society here in sports? It really sucks that poor um, coaching, poor parents in the stands. For me, there's a symptom of our society here where people just can't control themselves. They think they know the sport better than the officials, than the coaches. They're yelling at players. Um, I'm kind of disgusted by it. And I'm curious where you're at with this. I know we've talked about it offline before. Tell me your thoughts about this state of sport and how we're handling things as a society. Yeah, I mean, in, in every case, obviously, is very, it's very unique. And it's definitely a case-by-case basis, depending on the foul, depending on the call, you know, yada, yada, yada. And in your situation, what you were just sharing with us, you know, I mean, it's a U9 game and no... In no instance, you know, should be a moment where, you know, a coach should be freaking out towards anybody. Like, like, what is the, what did the coach think was, like, where does she think she was? Did she think the 17 year old was a professional ref? Like, did she think it was a professional setting? Like, the biggest issue with parents being involved in, like, sports and, like, all the other things is they think that everyone is professional. They think they are professionals as well. It's like, you can't – everyone Everyone is predominantly doing this, especially in kids' sports, like on, on their free time as a volunteer, trying to be up-and-comer. Like they're going to make mistakes as they go up. You know, yes, it's a job. Like you have to – you know, you, you don't have to be perfect at your job, you know. And I think the expectation of being perfect is um, what the parents seek and stuff like that. Um, I just I just think especially in a society now where, you know, people can like want to speak up and like think they're always right and stuff like that. Like they lose sight of, you know, what is in front of them. Like this is a children's sport. Like all the coaches here, all the referees, everybody's like that is officiating or is an official member of what's going on in the field is doing this for like fun. And like if anything, like they're not professionals. Otherwise, if they were professionals, they wouldn't be coaching your fucking kid's game. Like and and parents lose sight of that and you know it 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 sucks and it's 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 definitely been a huge problem like i i know um recently especially with like football games down south like coaches have died because you know they got into fights with like parents and stuff like that whether it's like you know the kid not playing enough minutes or anything like that like there's there's different there's different depending on the level of sport and stuff like that, there's definitely certain rules, but especially at a U8 game, nobody should be being yelled at, especially a teenager ref. Like it's, it's, it's definitely very disgusting. I think at the major college or professional level, things are slightly different. There's an understanding in sports that if you don't like the work of a high paid college or professional player, coach, official, you can voice your opinion and you can. Even in the youth ranks, you can voice your opinion. Um, But within the context of high-end professional sports, there's still limitations. And our, you know, as a whole, our society's lost the ability to be civil uh, when we have differences in things. 
Um, but it's at a level now in sports, it's literally ruined the game for a lot of people. I think in the youth level, some of these coaches um, see guys like Conte or who are some of the more vocal coaches on the sidelines that just lose their shit week after week. And, but yet they're successful. They're professionals. They, they're with the biggest clubs in the world and they emulate that. And they're like, that's their style. It works for them. Um, it, personally, I'm a Michigan state guy, uh, here collegially in the U S I'm a Michigan state fan. And I watched Tom Izzo lose his mind on referees in the college basketball world. He's one of the most successful coaches of all time. How do you as a youth coach look at that and say, hey, it worked for Izzo. He's one of the best in the world. I'm going to emulate that. And that's a problem. But it's a symptom of our society now. Um, you look at like restaurants. People don't want to work in restaurants anymore because entitled customers think they can badmouth the staff because the French fries aren't crispy enough. Um, you know, and guess what? That kind of shit is why restaurants are having a hard time finding qualified staff. They're having a hard time staying open, um, you know, besides the pay structure and safety in the workplace issues. Um, the underlying truth is nobody's going to wait tables for poor wages just to get yelled at because people they don't, feel fucking you know, entitled. Someone doesn't like their steak. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the same, the same parallel situation exists in sports. Um, so I was kind of thinking about it. I wrote it out uh, before the match or before the, the recording tonight. I think there's, you know, three facets to sports for the three categories of people, the parents, the officials, and the coaches. Uh, the parents have three responsibilities. Keep the kids safe, appreciate the kids' work, and help them grow into strong young adults. That is... Make sure the they're enjoying it, too. Make sports. that a fourth point. Yeah. It is not the parents' job to stand on the sidelines or in the stands or above the ice, whatever sport you're in. It's not the parents' job to yell the instructions out there. That's why they have a coach. Keep your mouth shut, watch the game, clap, do what you want, stop coaching unless your title is coach. It's it's not and the second part of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, go that, ahead. I mean I want to jump in on that because it's not their job to fucking uh tell them what's I guess what's what's right and what's wrong. Like that's a coach's job. Yes, you can have your input here and there, but once you hit a certain level you can't say what's right and wrong. The only yeah. thing a parent should be doing is making sure that the kid is working hard for it and making sure that they enjoy it because you don't see a lot of a lot of professional athletes being like, Oh, like, you know, my dad made me do this and I kinda love this. Like, no, the kids they, they, they were when they were younger, the kids fucking enjoyed it. That's what made them professional. And if you want your kid to become a professional athlete, stay the fuck out of it. And just make sure they work hard. That Serena Williams, Tiger Woods shit, that's one in a million. Exactly. That's not the average situation. And, you know, I kind of had my daughter's coach kind of had to push back against us a little bit because we were getting too into it. He's like, look, I need your kid to make mistakes so I can coach them on how to do it right. But if you're telling them what to do and I'm telling them what to do, when are they going to have the time to figure it out themselves? So parents, shut up. And the second part is the coaches. You have three jobs. Keep the kids safe, help the kids learn, and teach them the game first, and then teach them how to learn. Um, it's hard for some of us ultra-competitive people, like you and I, Matt. We see kids go out. I, I want to see my kids score every game. I want to see them keep a clean sheet. It drove me crazy yesterday when they allowed a goal. I want that clean sheet. But you know what? They have to learn. And the coaches coach them to that point. And you, the coaches are so underappreciated 
and they're they're pushed so hard now that they don't stick around long enough. They got to deal with parents in their ear. They got to, you know, sometimes at certain levels deal with demanding kids transferring to different schools because they didn't get enough playing time. So then your your coaches that used to stick around in basketball or soccer at the same program for 20 years, now they're sticking around three or four. They're burnt out. So you have younger coaches that are not as experienced. And, you know, Matt, you played a lot of soccer growing up. How did you feel compared to what you see now? Um, I feel like the coaches now are under a lot more pressure. Back in the day, it was, you know, organize who's bringing orange slices after the game. Now they have to manage playing time and expectations of parents. I think there's too much weight on the on the coach's shoulders right now. Oh, yeah, for sure, because there's so many different, like, so many people in their ear all the damn time. Um, and I'm glad you met, uh, brought that up because I was actually going to mention as well, like, there's a lot of times where, like, I was in the game and, like, I was hearing parents like screaming at the referee, just like, you should do being in this, like that should have been a car and stuff like that. And I would always talk back to the parent for the ref, be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, that's, that's not like, just be quiet. Yeah. Like, and I'd chirp him back, be like, oh, that's not a foul and stuff like that. Granted, again, for the, for listeners, all of my yellow cards in my collegiate career are because I screamed at the ref. I play as a fan. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm always behind my boys, but. Um, no, I mean, I would always talk back with the fans as well and chirp back as they were chirping at the referees. And I mean, yeah, to the collegiate level. And I mean, it's, 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 it's just, just stay out of the parents. <laughs> it's different, <laughs> like, but just, it's just, from the same foundation. That stuff builds up. Right. Like you can say, come on, ref, like that's fine and stuff like that. But once you start like keep yelling and yelling and yelling going on. And again, I'm a hypocrite because I do the exact same thing on the field, but I can't because I'm a player, you know, like I have that right to do that at a certain extent. Um, just not the fans. Not but that's between you. That's between you and the official. That's between you and the coaches. Right. And I will get, and I will get penalized for it. Granted all those yellow cards. So. And the, the third point I was going to make is the officials have responsibilities too. And, the way I see it, their job is to keep the kids safe, keep the game fair, and be a model for emulation. Uh, I was watching the Bundesliga matches closely this weekend as this story was on my mind. And I look at how, you know, they get five players up in their face screaming and yelling, sometimes hands being put on them. You get a fourth official on the sideline who has nowhere to hide and coaches yelling in both of his ears. But yet they, they keep it calm. Because once the official loses control of the game, there's nowhere for anybody to hide. All, all hell is broken loose at that point. Um, but the pressure that's put on them. And it, it, at the youth level, all three points I laid out between parents, coaches, and officials, it all comes down to keeping the kids safe. And it, there's just too many stories now about people crossing the lines, whether it's players hitting officials. We had that in a hockey game recently. Um, officials and coaches getting into it. Uh, you talked about the, the, I think it was referee down in uh, South America that was killed recently. Uh, a coach was killed recently in Central America. This kind of stuff. And that's not at the professional level. I mean, like at the youth level. Uh, it's out of control. And like, what do you um, think it makes a, what, what they're teaching their kids at the same time? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the hardest thing I've had to do, granted, my kid's been in organized sports now for about a year, maybe two. Um, but the hardest thing I had to do was today 
when our team abandoned the match for safety reasons and the fact there was an out-of-control adult there, I had to explain to her that they couldn't play the rest of their game because a grown-ass adult lost control. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're at that point where you're at a youth match of any level and you lose such control that the game has to be stopped, it, the problem's not the game. The problem's not the referee. The problem is you. And we got to get over that, too, uh, as we transition back to Eintracht Frankfurt and professional sports, thinking that we are bigger than the game itself. Um, we've dealt with it. With Frankfurt supporters, the Marseille situation, um, there is no point where what is happening in the stands is bigger than what is happening on that pitch. And it's our responsibility to cheer. It's our responsibility to boo if we feel like it. It is not our responsibility to directly involve ourselves with the game. Point proven, point settled. Yeah, you couldn't have said it more beautifully. All right. With that said, we're off track. Uh, we're 45 minutes in. Let's get back on track. With Eintracht. <laughs> we got two matches this week. Tuesday, Matt. Let's talk about Tuesday. I know absolutely nothing, and research was hard to find, about the Stuttgart kickers, our opponent. And Enlighten me. Enlighten me. Can you teach me? Oh, I was hoping you knew. Oh, you're um, <laughs> well, I know that historically they've been a weird team. I mean, I don't think they've, I think they've made the Bundesliga once, probably never. Um, I mean, I know nothing right here. I mean, this is where, this is where we need, you know, our, um, our leader, our fearless leader, Brian, to uh, guide us on like, you know, historical facts, like just, you know, come nonstop out of his mouth. So Brian, if you want to do a little 90, 90 uh, second bit on who Stuttgart kickers are uh, or Stuttgart kick us rather um, go ahead at it. But I know that uh, EFC New York guys are doing a host in New York here. They're having, um, Oh, Palm, I think his last name is Pummelbaum. I, I, I got to look it up here. I don't want to botch up the name. Um, Q. Well, you look that music. up. Yeah, well, while you look that up, I'll tell everybody uh, the match here in the States will be available on ESPN+. Plus. It's going to be an 1800 Central European time start. That's 12 o'clock noon on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the U.S. Pacific Coast. Matt, did I delay enough for you? Yes, it did. His name is Peter Postman. He is a Apfelwang, uh, uh, I guess, enthusiast in Frankfurt. Um, and he's had a business since 1881. So... Uh, Wait, this is the guy that does the Possman Apfelwein. Apfelwein, genau. I I have some in my fridge. Oh. I love that stuff. Yes. Well, he'll be here on Tuesday. Uh, I won't be there, unfortunately. Maybe I need to get back out there. I have to work. But, yeah, no. I mean, if if you're in New York, you want to possibly get some good uh, Apfelwein, um, you got to go to Jack Dempsey's up out on West 33rd Street. Love Jack Dempsey's. Just need our team to win when I go there once and in a while. And I figured out my ESPN <laughs> Plus bill, too, by the way. Good. Good. That's a great story for uh, the Instagram later on. So we don't know much about our opponent Tuesday. Uh, how do you feel about it, Matt? It's a match we should win, but we've struggled. Yeah. Uh, we tend to either lose in early rounds or go to the final. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to really depend how uh, we come out. I mean, it doesn't. I don't, really don't matter – about the lineup and stuff like that. I wouldn't be shocked if we pretty much played all of our starters, except for like, obviously like RKM, 
uh, maybe Kamada. Um, Lundstrom will probably end up playing so we can have Bore play a little bit more. Ali Du, probably Mbipe is going to play a little bit more. Um, do you want full rotation or do you want to no, keep so. guys in rhythm a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't think it's more the rhythm. I think it's just because we're the fucking diva and God knows what's going to happen with us. Like if we do go full rotation, like do we really want to sweat this game out? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping that like we see people like Smoltich play. Uh, maybe Timmy even play a little bit. That'd be nice for him to start. Um, and then Did maybe Kevin Trapp use a break. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. I'm, I'm I, I hate to say it. that. I hate to say that, but yeah, why not? He's played why not give way too many minutes. Much? Yeah, he, he's played so many minutes the last couple seasons, and we're in a horrible stretch here. You know, God, if our number two at Frankfurt cannot play well enough against the lower division side, we probably weren't going to win the match anyway. Uh, we should be winning on the offensive end enough to allow Ramaj or somebody to take trap spot. Yeah, it sucks that he got rid of Ronald. Now he's a fucking top of the league. Yeah. Well, he's playing a hell of a game. I I told everybody you're going to love Freddie, but nobody wanted to listen to me. Yeah, I I was I was one of those. I I didn't see much in him, but hey, bit us all in the ass. So I'm a- I don't know if we're taking uh, predictions on that one, but I'm going to say three to one Frankfurt. Yeah, I mean, I definitely put it up on the Instagram. Um, I will probably say, yeah, five one. Good guys, another another five piece. Five one. Good. Keep the scoring going. We love that five to one, especially against like who's the person for this team that we know because we went five to one to run um, Nico out of Bayern, five to one with Radetzky in goal. Like there's got to if we're hitting five to one, it's got to be against somebody we know. We'll have to check out the roster later. Right. Um, the big one though on the weekend, uh, Frankfurt and Borussia Mönchengladbach. That match is at that's a late one, right? Twelve thirty yep, Eastern time, nine thirty Pacific, eighteen thirty in Central <sighs> Europe. Matthew, ESPN Plus, by the way. Um, I'm kind of nervous about this one. Sure so. You know, it's kind of that roller coaster effect. Um, but to me, Gladback has gone kind of under the radar. Um, they're sitting right next to us in the table. They've got an issue uh, with goals. They've given up quite a few, but so have we. So I don't know. I mean, they just came off tying uh, inconsistent Wolfsburg. teams. They they smacked Colin around like it was their little brother. Um, and then they, you know, got smacked around by Werder Bremen. The so, loss, I mean, yeah. they are as diva of a team as we are. But look, you're right. You know, they're sitting in a comfortable spot in sixth place with, uh, you know, letting a lot of goals in. But, you know, we have the better offense scoring 21. So, um, but I'm not worried about them. You know, this is, this is going to be these next couple of games, you know, especially in the Bundesliga, I'm going to be more worried about us rather than what our opponents are. You know, it's going to be interesting how we come out. Because, like, if we end up thrashing, you know, Stuttgart kickers, I can see us tying the Gladbach game. But let's say we end up losing in Stuttgart kickers, I can see us thrashing Gladbach, you know. So, um, we're such a momentous team when, like, you know, we are so consistently doing something, like, consistent. Like, we'll be bad consistently for, like, three games and then we'll flip a switch and be, like, you know, ballers for the next three, four games and then, you know, <laughs> consistently switch that off. So... Like I said before, we're inconsistently consistent, but then when we are 
consistent. You know, we are have a nice little run for it. So I'm worried about us. But yeah, they have been flying underneath the radar. They, you know, are in sixth place, like I said. But what about I like us? That that, I like that it's on the road. Um, you know, a cup match, even though neither one of us sees too much of an issue with the matchup on Tuesday in Stuttgart, we just tend to come home flat after a cup match or a European match, whatever the big match is midweek. It always scares me coming home on the weekend. And the fact that we're going right back on the road, not a long trip, um, but the fact that we're going to be on the road, I think for some reason we're more focused there. We have a weird synergy issue at home where we can't get the fans and the players on the same emotional page. So I kind of like this one a little more being on the road. Are there any players at Gladbach that you fear? Um, wow, you put me on the spot here. Let me look at their roster. <laughs> I don't even know. I honestly don't even know who's on their on their roster. I have to really look at them. See, like I, I gotta start paying attention a little bit more to the other Bundesliga actual squads rather than the teams because the teams are so historically names sometimes don't mean back anything. And exactly, yeah. names don't mean anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, Turan is uh, Turan is obviously a big issue. So is uh, player and Lashtendo. Um. Uh, I forgot that they got Julian Weigel as well. So they have a pretty damn freaking squad. I mean, Jan Soma being obviously another great Bundesliga keeper. I, their bench, Luka Nets, he's a nice winger for them. He's going to be a trouble coming off the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, the usual suspects for Turan play on Mash Dindel, you know, they're going to be very, very strong people. And I mean, putting Julian Weigel in there as well, someone coming from over in uh, Benfica from the Portuguese league, you know, that definitely brings in a different style as well. So, those are definitely They're the guys form. that go under the radar, just like their team has all year long. Um, they're right back, too. Uh, fellow New Yorker for you, uh, Joe Scully. He's, I think he's played every match so far or most every match. Um, he is apparently in the running for a spot in, uh, in Qatar for the World Cup. Um, he's probably second or third on that list at right back, but... Yeah, uh, got an American there to check out. Um, this is just a roster that goes under the radar to me, but one that's experienced enough to bite you. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, they're definitely gonna be a good squad. I mean, if we're gonna roll out predictions as well for this one, I think we're gonna come out of this as like a two one victory. Um, you stole my thunder. It's two one. It's gonna be one of those uncomfortable two ones where. Um, it's not pretty. It might be late or we might, you know, give up a late one and have to sweat it out. But I think we have the firepower and our defense will find a way to hold. It might be an all hands on deck effort. Um, is see Hasebe get in there and do his thing on the weekend. He's one that absolutely should not. Well, he's going to be yeah, out, right? He's, is he still out. Uh, he's probably yeah, not going to play out for a bit. until we play champions. Yeah, probably. I was, so I was going to say, hopefully we see him back. But I haven't heard anything that indicates to me he will be back. I'm going to assume he's out until further notice. Yeah. So maybe an opportunity for Smolchich to get more important minutes. Hopefully. And then if this Ongwede guy ends up being uh, healthy, maybe he could be a yeah. nice spark in our back line. All hands on deck. Speaking of all hands on deck, uh, I'm told by our fearless leader in a text message here, he will be contributing this week. So keep an eye out for Brian's content. Ooh. I know he'll have some good takes on everything. Brian was a longtime uh, soccer referee, so I'm sure he's got 
some things to say about our subject on uh, ethics in sports. Um, but Matt, this was fun. Good to be back. We should do it again next week. What do you think? Oh, uh, probably. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Hey, how'd the, how'd the Yankees do? Oh, we won, big guy. 4-2. Coming back to the Bronx I tomorrow. Mean, now I got to... You're still here, so I, I don't think your phone would still be in working order <laughs> if it had gone the other way. I would have smashed my phone <laughs> if we fucked up, fucked up the bottom of the ninth again. But no, 2-2, game five, second best uh, two words in sports. And um, yeah, maybe I'll go to the Bronx tomorrow night at six or 7 o'clock. We'll see, but for the right price, obviously. If you're not in the Bronx, where can people find you on social media? You can find my social media at WAGMA underscore on the Twitter side of things. You can find me on Instagram at underscore Wagner A. And as you, you mentioned earlier, Chris, you can find us on the Instagram at Hey, I'm Jeff Frankfurt. And you can find me on Twitter, Peloton, Discord, all the above at C in the D313. You can find the show www.hefpod.com on Twitter at HEFpod. I mentioned before our 24 seven discord channel and facebook.com forward slash HEF pod that wraps it up episode 200 and who knows we've done a whole lot of these. It's fun. We're going to do it again next week. We hope for everything great on the weekend for the men against Gladbach for the women against Duisburg. And we will talk to you next week until then. Tschüss. They're like pests. They'll stick around ever, forever. They'll never relegate. They're like us. Hey, I'm